You are listening to the Star Coach Podcast with Meg Rentschler, episode 66. The challenge, Meg, is we think we're selling ourselves, and we're actually not. What we're selling is the future of this client's life, yeah? So if I think someone signing up with me for coaching is about me, I'm in trouble. Welcome to Star Coaches, the show for professional coaches that brings you coaching strategies, tools, and resources. Whatever your focus or niche, take a front seat weekly as industry leaders, decision makers, and innovators share their wisdom and expertise on the ins and outs of successful coaching. Now join your host, Meg Rinchler, as she connects you with your star coaching potential. Hey, welcome back. We had a brief break last week, and I am eager to be back with all of you again. I hope you had a wonderful week and are ready to dive right back into the Star Coach Show. This week, we're going to do something a little different, something we've never done before, and that's going to be revisiting some key messages about business building that have come out over the past year plus from different episodes. Even for those of you who have heard every single show that we've done, I will bet you that you're going to get incredible value from hearing some of these key points back again. You know, the truth is I conducted the interviews and as I was re-listening to interviews, looking for those gold nuggets that I wanted to share again, I heard things differently or had new perspective or things resonated with me in new ways. So I encourage you, even if you've heard every single show we've done, to visit through this show and see what might strike you as new awareness. So in reviewing the 65 shows that we've published to date, there were definite themes or categories that have sort of surfaced as the different shows fit into these different categories. So for example, some shows were very much about coaching skills. Others were about corporate coaching, maybe positive psychology or how to use social media. Now, I was intentional about that when I created the shows and and wanted to hit on different subjects, but there's definitely different umbrellas that these shows are all fitting under. And so I decided that it would make sense to revisit some of the key messages around these different topics. And I decided to start with business building in this show, probably because I've had some coaches talk to me recently about their focus on business building. So it was top of mind to me. And we had all this great content. So I thought, let's go with a summary business building show today. Now, the brief opening clip that you heard at the top of the show was from my interview with Master Certified Coach Cynthia Lloyd-Darst. She was actually the very first episode of the Star Coach Show. And she was responding to a question that I had asked her about how we as coaches sometimes stumble because we might feel as though we're the product or that we're sort of selling who we are to the client. And she said something that was so powerful. You know, she made that clip about how it's not about the coach. It's about 
the client and the client's future. And that was so powerful. It reminded me to get out of my own way. And it immediately impacted the way that I interact with prospective clients. That it's not just about the process of engaging with a client that we don't get in the middle of it, but that in fact, that's our coaching theme throughout, that it's about the client and not about the coach. And that was a wonderful reminder. In that same episode, Cynthia shared some traps that she sees new coaches fall into when they're first building their businesses. Some of the traps that I see young coaches fall into is there's all this pressure to get the right niche and then to have the perfect website and have it all look together. Well, honestly, when you're first starting out, you don't quite know. You don't quite know what your niche is going to be unless unless for some reason you're already super clear on it. Right. You don't quite know how you want your website to look. So yeah, you might want to have a little bit of, you might have, want to have a web presence and have people be able to contact you. But the fact of the matter is what you need to get good at is connecting with people and talking to people. I've had so many conversations on airplanes and at Starbucks and back in the day when we didn't, we couldn't scan a, a thing. I would go, I mean, at a, like a Kinko's you know, making copies and people would be like, what's that you're copying? And we'd end up doing a sample session right there. I mean, it's like, you know, so, so you need to be able to connect. The more you can be with someone, connect with people. My husband, when he first started his coaching practice, he came in, he goes, he said, I don't even understand this problem about getting clients. Aren't people just fast? Fascinating. Don't you just want to work with people? And so what I saw him doing, I, it really surprised me because I hadn't seen this early on. He would, he would start talking to people and he'd get fascinated by them. He'd say, I want to coach you in this. May I be your coach? And we'll work out however the money is. And, and he, would, he just built his practice until he had plenty of clients to be practicing with. And then as he grew in his confidence, as he became certified, then his rates were able to go right on up. In addition to the importance of building skills and confidence as part of our business building journey, Cynthia also shared these valuable tips from another part of the interview. So what are your thoughts when you think about first steps and beginning a coaching business? You know, there are several thoughts I have. And the, here's the thing, that people are going to flood you with all of the right things you need to do to build a coaching practice. And if you think you have to do all of those things, you're going to get crazy. And you're going to get a whole lot of like, oh, I'm not doing it right. No, I should be this. And that's going to cause you to not have any fun in the process. So and maybe even become paralyzed. Absolutely. Yeah. Maybe you'll just totally inept. Exactly. Yeah. And so what one of the things that I strongly recommend is that you choose the things that you are particularly good at that are fun for you to do. And then you go, you take that path because that's going to give you joy. It's going to give you energy. Now, there are a couple other pointers that I would have. One of the things is that people think if I'm a really good coach, then I should be able to have a, a, a business pretty quickly. Well, it's helpful. 
<laughs> we do want the skill to be there. However, Absolutely. that's really good. It's going to help increase your referrals. You want to be the best coach you can be. However, you do need to take the business part seriously. One of the main reasons for business failure of any kind is improper financing. So you wouldn't think of opening a store or opening a restaurant or something without the right money, without the foundation in place. And yet people all the time think, oh, well, I don't have any money at all. I'll just start a coaching business. (laughs) And so I really recommend against that. If you, need, you might need to get a day job for a while. You might need to do something else that's bringing in money or get some kind of loan or whatever it is so that you're not stressed, so that you, when you're with people, you are clean, you are clear, you're not desperate in any, any way. You can be reflecting what a fulfilled life looks like. A theme that frequently arose in my discussions with different experts is the concept of timeline and being realistic in our time frame when building a business that we are allotting enough time and resources to grow that business so that we prevent ourselves from falling into a place of desperation or overwhelm or despair. Ron West joined us in episode 34 And he shared about the frustration and self-doubt that he felt right before things began to turn around for him and his executive coaching business. What I found was I reached a point where it didn't seem to be taking off the way I thought it might in a long time. So it was two years in and I really had doubts. I I did a lot of soul searching and, and reached a point emotionally where I was like, I'm done. I I can't do this. As soon as I reached that point, it seems I I found that courage again because I was inspiring courage in others. And I went, you know, just keep going. Let's just see. And in a matter of just a few short weeks, it really started to take off. And by take off, I mean, instead of me desperately searching for business everywhere I could find it, it found me. It started finding me. And it really took two years, then to about up to two and a half years for that all to turn around and start to really accelerate. And what were some of the steps that you took in that that first two, two and a half years to begin to get that flywheel turning for you? I think if I had not done the 2020 plan, I'd have lost my way very quickly because it really takes a lot to build something. I'd worked for myself before, but really with captive clients. So actually sitting down there with an empty book of business and this newfound skill. I made every mistake I think you could possibly make. And, and you have to, there's no real shortcut to that. But it was the plan that kept me on track with how to deal with this. The second thing I think was, I think at one point I had four different coaches coaching me. You might think that was overwhelming. Actually, it was like just enough like support and accountability because obviously you're inside the, your own box and the instructions for getting outside of that box carefully printed on the outside of the box. So I really needed that help. I stayed in touch with friends. I told everybody what I was doing. I shared the plan with everybody that would listen. And then as I was going around and knocking on doors, looking for business, I I really kept going back to the plan, leaning on my friends, my coaches for help and support. That kept me on track. But the, the specific things that I did, there is no shortcut. But the best place to start is everybody you already know. Referrals is absolutely the best way to get any business. And so the, the first order of business really in a new company is don't spend lots of time on your website and, and your uh, marketing collateral and all of that. It's really about get coaching. 
just get coaching and do lots of it. And there's nothing to beat the sensation when you get referred to somebody you've never met before. You talk with them, they get engaged and interested and they start that journey with you and you take them through their journey and, and you see how far they can take themselves and, and what they do as a result. And, and that gives you even more incentive to go look for some more clients just like that. I am truly grateful for Ron's transparency and his willingness to share his journey, along with the importance of having support and a plan. You know, I think we can sometimes feel really alone as solopreneurs, particularly when there's struggles or our efforts aren't seeming to be paying off the way we had hoped that they would be, or in that time frame that we wanted them to. So Ron's willingness to be transparent and authentic about his struggles was really helpful. He also described his 2020 plan, which was a five-year plan that he painstakingly created as he was completing his coach certification program. And he's used that 2020 plan as his compass to keep him on track and moving forward both through those two, two and a half years that it took him to begin to see the results that he had been intentional about, but also he continues to use that plan as his compass moving forward. Ron is now a thriving and sought after executive and leadership coach. And his planning and being intentional was a huge part of that, I believe. Now, for some of us, the thought of putting together a business plan can be one of those things that is daunting, like, oh, just let me coach. I don't know about the business plan part. And that's why I was so pleased when Connie Whitesell agreed to come on the show in episode 18 and do an interview of the business planning process. So in this clip, she shares the elements that go into the business planning that she does when she's with clients. My business name is Scattered to Streamline Business Coaching. That's exactly, it comes from what I do, right? You walk in with someone who is either starting a business or wanting to grow their business, and they've got all of these brilliant ideas, but sometimes it's dozens and hundreds of ideas. They're scattered all over the place, and so we work together. We get to know each other. We get to get all of those ideas out so that we can start prioritizing and putting together action plans and and that sort of thing. So the process itself is pretty intensive to begin with. From there, the plans that we develop are different. So if a person is just starting up their practice, we typically do a more extensive, full-blown business plan. And, And that could be different too, depending upon their objectives. If they're thinking about bringing in partners or corporate sponsors or going to a bank for funding, something like that, that's a pretty technical business plan. It's pretty comprehensive. So there's that. And then others just want to get all of, it's for them. They want to get all of those ideas together. They want to know, they just want to be very focused, very clear and have all of the action steps broken down. So those are the two types of full-blown business plans. And then when somebody's been in business for a while, we focus a little more on four key areas within the business. And we do that with the overall business plan as well. There's just a lot more to that, the competitive right. analysis, you know, the, the more deeper financial analysis, that sort of thing. But the one-year strategic plan that I work on with existing businesses is more targeted toward four different areas of the business and really getting them 
clear on what they'd like to achieve in the next year and then develop those action steps for how they'll do that. That sounds great. How willing would you be to kind of walk us through what that process would look like? Happy to, happy to. Actually, I should say also that one thing that I hope and I I feel my clients have suggested make my work a bit unique is that in addition to the traditional business planning elements, I also add in some, what would you say, more inspirational elements and and then some good business sense elements as well. But for people who are open to it, the inspirational elements can really help a lot. And okay, so what I mean by those yeah, different I was areas. Say, what's yeah, an example of that. <laughs> yeah. So the practical elements, the four areas that I typically break down the strategic plan into are number one, products and services. So getting really clear on what you're offering, how it's packaged, how it's priced, that sort of thing. Number two, your operations. What do you need to have in place or put in place as a foundation for your business? The third is marketing and sales, of course. And the fourth is their plan for their finances. A lot of people kind of shy away from that, but that's something that's, again, so important for a business. So we'll go through those financial goals as well. So those are the the four practical business elements. And then for people who are open to it, I very strongly suggest as we're going through these areas and developing these goals, that people also come up with affirmations for these goals. Take time to visualize, put themselves in the place of having achieved those goals and really feel it and just enjoy that vision of being where they, they want to be and incorporating meditative practices to that. Whether it's, um, I personally prefer moving meditation I do a lot of hiking, get a lot of great business ideas while I'm out on the trails or guided or whatever works for that individual person. So we talk about those kinds of tools that can help people along with applying those, those four areas. And then in addition, we go beyond the plan as well, because of course, and, and there are people who can just, and I, I used to be one of these people who would just plan and plan and plan and then never do anything, <laughs> you know, yes. you have plans to get in a drawer. Yeah, this looks great. But so key thing, taking action, right? So we make sure that we have a detailed action plan with timeframes in there. So it's, it's very clear what needs to be met. Uh, it's talking about accountability, uh, making sure that there's that part involved with the business. I think that's very important. And then, as I just mentioned, it's the plan needs to be fluid. So there's just regular plan review and revision because you just, you never know what opportunities are going to come up or what challenges might happen. And so the plan itself needs to be flexible. As Connie mentioned, one of the aspects she focuses on when creating a business plan is that of clarity around the specific product or services that are being offered by a business. In episode two, I asked branding expert and leadership coach Valerie Sokolowski to share what she does to market her services to clients. And that same theme came up again about being clear and focused and intentional. It was just so apparent in this answer. Well, I think the answer is sort of a multifaceted answer. You mentioned early on in my what was written about me that I am persistent. I think that's a big part of it, Meg. When you have a passion for something, when you believe very strongly about something, you it's a belief that you have. 
that doesn't go away, not if you're smart. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and so I remember as an example, early in my career, I had a couple of colleagues who were in training and development, and they said, oh, Valerie, companies will never pay for soft skills. They'll never pay for people skills. People are supposed to know that. And rather than being discouraged, that just fueled my fire. Let me show you. You bet. You know, (laughs) it was that, gee, don't tell me I can't because I'll try to figure out a way that I can if I really believe in it. And so I didn't give up. And I think that's a major, major part. I also tell people, honestly, Meg, as they start their coaching careers or any career, it takes time. You don't just step out of, as an example, a career and say, now I'm going to hang up a shingle that calls me a coach. Because I've coached my people, so I know how to do that. Mm-hmm. I've got a great personality. I want to be a speaker. People come know? to me all the time for advice. This is what I'm meant to do. And that might very well be, but it takes time. It takes time. So I think the second part of that answer is it takes time, but be very intentional. So... Besides the typical things we all do, which is network and so forth, the one thing I would say is focus, focus, focus. The clearer you are on what you have for the marketplace that's better than or different than or is unique or something you're just passionate about that you offer, Mm -hmm. the clearer you are about that, the more focus you'll have going toward it rather than, oh, I'm going to join every organization out there. I'm going to network with at least five organizations a week. (laughs) Ha ha. Yeah. So then I'll drag myself home and and not have any energy left to coach anybody. Yeah. But the clearer you are about what you intend to have happen, the more likely those things will happen. You'll know the right thing to say. You'll meet the right people. You'll follow up when you should and all of this. So focus, 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 and being intentional. And I think the other side of that, Valerie, is that people are attracted to like-minded people. So if you're trying to be a jack-of-all-trades and not really have a clear focus or put your unique stamp out there that people are attracted to, there's nothing magnetic I mean, you might be marvelous at 852 things, but what is there that makes you unique? Because each person wants to feel that you specialize in what they need. That's very, very right on, Meg. Having focus, being intentional, having clarity are themes that just seem to play center stage in creating business success. Jane Warlow from the Coaches Business School shared this really interesting story in episode 57 about her journey to clarity, about how that journey came to be through talking to a pretty famous person, and how she gained clarity about what her business was really about for her. Some coaches have this sense that, you know, I'm really good at coaching and that's enough for me. If I'm really good at coaching, then then my clients They'll come. come. I'll build it. They will yeah, come. Yes. Exactly. Um, but actually today, that's not the case. There's so much competition in the marketplace today. And I don't care, you know, for your listeners, whoever you are, wherever you're placed in the world, you know, your coaching business now has a global reach. You've got competitors that are global and that changes everything. Not only that, we've got a maturation that's starting to happen of the coaching and the education industries 
because you're not only kind of competing with other coaches, you're also competing with trainers and consultants. Anybody that can kind of give people change in the way that they want it or a solution to their problems. So our market's kind of gone really wide. We've got a lot of competition entering the coaching market from really good qualified coaches and also coaches that are not very good, <laughs> that have just been on a weekend course that's confusing the market, I think. Right. So right there, clarity. And, and I'm a big believer that clarity as a whole is, is one of those foundational pieces, you know, that, that whole concept that confused minds don't buy. So right. if, if our customers or our, you know, the people we're trying to reach are just not even certain about what coaching is as a whole, that can create some confusion. So what are some of the, the tips or the, the strategies that you give coaches around creating some of that, bridging that gap between where the market is and the potential that could be? Right. So the first thing for all coaches to understand is that business is about value creation right? Kind of that's it. You need to create great value for your clients. So that begins with really understanding who it is you're here to serve. And what I notice is most coaches like to stay this generalist kind of coaching because we're taught in coach training school that if you can coach, you can kind of coach anyone, right? right. Because we have great questions in our toolbox so we can coach anyone. But unfortunately in business, if you do that, you do confuse the market and your growth is very slow because you have to continue to push out into the marketplace. And the, the unspoken truth is that nobody buys coaching, right? Nobody wakes up in the morning and thinks, okay, I want co a coach today and then goes searching for one. That's not the way it kind of works in the marketplace. So if we think that we're a coach and we're only selling coaching, then what we're going to do is we're going to show up in the marketplace and we're going to talk about coaching and our processes and our transformation and nobody's interested in that. Yeah, <laughs> right? Exactly. Right? So, so what do people wake up and say that they want when they're not waking up and saying they're wanting coaching? What are they saying instead? Right. So my journey was I thought I was selling coaching right at the very beginning. I, I thought that was what I was selling. And then I thought I met this. I met Herb, Herb Kelleher from Southwest Airlines. It was about a decade ago now. We were both speaking at a conference. And afterwards, I met him in the bar and I said, hey, Herb, you know, what's your secret to successful business? And his answer really shocked me, Meg, because what he said to me was, he said, honestly, everything changed when I asked myself, what business am I really in? And I said to him, well, what does that mean? And he said, well, I thought I was in the airline business, you know, kind of obvious. He said, but then I, I realized there was something deeper about why I was in business and why I was doing this work in the world. He said, and I started to realize I was actually in the business of love. He said, and then, so I, we started to empower our, our staff and let them know they're in the business of love. Because if they're in the business of loving our clients, they can make the difficult decisions that's not been pre-written for them in some kind of customer service program, they can always make the right decision because they know they're empowered. So wow. he said, I know I'm in the business of love. And then after 9-11, this is what helped Southwest Airlines not lay off even one member of staff when everybody else was because they all got together, they were collaborative and they knew that it was all about love. So they took a, a drop in pay. Everybody took a drop in pay so that not one person
business and had to be made redundant. And so this shifted everything for him. So I started to think, okay, what business am I in? Am I in the business of coaching? Well, if I'm in the business of coaching, like I said, I sell coaching. So I thought, no, it's not that. Maybe I'm in the business of change then, deep transformation. And then I thought, okay, but then if I try and sell change, nobody likes change. Nobody yeah, likes yes. change. Yes. No, that doesn't work either. So what is the business that I'm in, right? And so I started to really explore this and I was exploring it with clients. And what I realized was I'm actually in the business. So there's two words for me. I'm in the business of hope and I'm in the business of inspiration. And that changed everything for me in my coaching business. Because if I'm in the business of hope, you see, when people are going to make a decision to, to coach with you, they've got to think of three things. First of all, is coaching going to deliver what they want? Second of all, really, are you the right coach for them? Mm -hmm. Right. And then third of all, can they do the changes that they want in their lives? So they've got to know what solution they want to the problems they've got today. And so I teach coaches this before and after. Once you you know who you want to like work with work out what's there before they meet you you know what kind of state are they in what's their life like at this point and then after what's the after state like because who are they going to become by coaching with you but not only that what are they going to have that's different in their lives what's going to be different about their mindset about the way they live every day because if you can define that that's what people buy that's your value and then what you do is you position your business your coaching as the vehicle that takes them from the before to the after and if you can do that you don't ever have to sell because if you use your own coach-like skills to in a conversation, find somebody's before, find somebody's after, speak to the after, and then just show them how you give them deeper insights. You don't have to sell anything. You just have to be a coach in your business. <laughs> and you have to put that out there, that, right. that hope and that inspiration. Exactly. That was such a neat story that Jane shared, A, because how many of us knew that about Southwest Airlines, but just the concept of getting really clear about what is it that your business is really about. And in addition to clarity of purpose and focus, Donnie Bovine joined a recent episode of the show to share the importance of consistency in action and commitment. Consistency in your game will allow you to get through the stuff when you don't feel like doing it. So, so if you're going to do social media, get consistent on social media, put together a schedule and don't miss it. If you're going to do networking, get consistent with your networking and put a process to it. Um, the more you have processes, more you have checks and balances along the way, the more distinct you can get with, with your business and what you're trying to do. But in this day and age, you know, going away is a day of that hardcore closer, you know, the, the grease ball, you know, buy today, prices going up tomorrow, all that kind of stuff. So not only do you need to get good, really good at networking, you need to get really good at the social game and really start getting your voice out there so people can find you. Because in this day and age, when people are looking for a coach, they're asking their friends, right? They're, they're asking them who they use, but then they're going in and they're doing the research. And no matter if you're on social media or not, that is telling a story. Right. So mm -hmm. if someone goes and checks you out and you're not out there putting out content for them on a regular basis, they have no idea how to read you. Right. And no idea if they can connect with you. 
So if you're going to get in the game, get in, get consistent as hell, and just stay in there. I mean, just for example, every day my morning starts off with an article I write. I then do an audio recording of that article. I then turn that little article into a, a meme that goes out on Instagram and Facebook. I then take that article, goes on my blog and Medium, and then it goes out on Twitter and LinkedIn as well. And that's how every day starts for me, plus with some personal journaling. And what I found is being a coach, you're kind of all over the place sometimes, you know, because you're chief bottle washer and everything else. So by putting that consistent regimen in there, it's allowed me to get control of my business and allows me to work on the business and not in the business. One consistent truth about coaching is that coaches come to this profession from a plethora of different professional backgrounds. As a matter of fact, if we just look at the coaches featured in this episode or some of the coaches featured in this episode, we have a former professional actor, sales trainer, DJ, who happened to be the youngest DJ in the nation at the time she DJed, and an owner of a charm school, and a consultant to the real estate industry. So different backgrounds is sort of one of the things that makes our profession so rich in perspectives and experience. Sarah Smith, our guest from episode five, had exited corporate America working for IBM when she decided to start her own coaching business. And she shared the following tips for a successful transition from corporate America into building a business of your own. So you leave IBM and you think, okay, well, you know, I hear over and over again from people that I work with, it's so hard to leave corporate America because you've kind of got those golden handcuffs. You've got the guaranteed income. You've got the security. But if I want to take that leap and go into business for myself, what did you do? What would you recommend? That's a long answer. I'll make it short. A dear friend of mine who left a CPA firm, one of the big five, I have no idea how many CPA firms there are. (laughs) Sounds good. Big five works for me. And I talked to her about 20 months into my transition, and she said, a friend told me as I was leaving the accounting firm, that it would take two years. And I thought that I was ahead of the game and that it surely wouldn't take me two years. And she said, and it did. Mm -hmm. (laughs) So being realistic, I would encourage you, if you're going to leave corporate land, to do all of the things before you leave that you can. You know, incorporate, get your own technology, put up at least a small website, get yourself and transfer your black book from your corporate laptop to your personal laptop. Be smart. Give yourself probably six months of thought because however much you think you know once you leave is only a fraction of what you actually know. I was amazed at how impervious the big blue bubble was until I left it. It was enormous. You'll miss the community. Join an ICF chapter and create a community of coaches. And you meet wonderful people. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. And invest there, and you'll end up getting referrals from those colleagues. Uh I've gotten fabulous referrals from friends who are coaches, and I've given referrals. I wrote down a couple of notes. You know, how do you share uh, corporate appeal? I've worked in corporations. I haven't found it particularly difficult since I left IBM once I got started. And the question is, how do you do that? Well, translate the expertise that you had in your corporation into what would be valuable to other business people. 
if you've managed a group, if you've managed a profit and loss statement, if you've been responsible for, it doesn't matter what you've been responsible for, that becomes part of your appeal. You've got to speak the language of business when you're coaching business people. And by the way, if you've never been in business and you want to step into corporate land... Oh, that's um, a good perspective too, yes. You know, that you've got to figure out what you've done. Have you worked with nonprofits? Power through influence rather than positional power? That's pretty provocative. If you've managed an effort in a nonprofit, translate that into business. You know, translate that into leadership and organizational effectiveness. So take what you know and step outside of it and look at it as though you're on the outside looking in and determine how that would be valuable for business. The other thing I would encourage you to do is to know their business schedule. You know, you don't call on salespeople at the end of the quarter. You don't call on Harry and David. You know, they're a great seller of fruit baskets. Right, at Christmas you know, time, yeah, holidays, yeah. yeah. You don't call on them until it's like February because they do 90% of their business between Black Friday and the week after Christmas. Know your business. I'm sure that you heard one of the many valuable things that shared in her episode was the importance of being well-informed and being able to evidence the impact that coaching has to our clients. Sometimes I think that's even more important when we're selling to corporate clients or trying to create a value proposition for corporate clients. So because of that, Sarah also provided many different resources that we might use, including these in this clip. Because I hear from new coaches that I work with, well, you know, how do you get a company to want to invest in coaching? How do you get them to believe in coaching? And what I'm hearing you say is you show them, you show the data. Yeah. And by the way, if you're a new coach and you're listening, where do you get the data? I encourage you to go out to Harvard Business Review, hbr.org, and find Harvard Business Review's articles that talk about coach-like behavior. They're out there. They talk about the impact. There are two. One is Leadership That Gets Results. That's written by Daniel Goleman, and it's about 10 years old, but it's still very relevant. Mm -hmm. There's also Social Intelligence and the Biology of Leadership. And that one talks about what we're learning in from neuroscience about emotions and how leaders most effectively leverage emotions. I'm not going to use the word use because mm-hmm. part of what's being discovered is that you can't use emotions. Right. Part of who we human beings is we can figure out fakeness. We get a sense of it. So coaches, those are two HBR articles. If you're going to get to business people, you've got to talk business. So some of you listening to today's show are new to coaching, and others are more seasoned, experienced coaches. But regardless of where we are in our professional journey, I, for one, appreciated hearing coach broker Sherry Barth share her perspective on the current trends in coaching and the traits that successful coaches share. is always going to be key. Whenever I'm hiring a coach, I want to make sure that they have that same win-win mentality. I want coaches who work, who would rather work than sit on the couch, you know, people who like doing what they do. Coaches who are trustworthy, flexible, expert in their area, and they enjoy helping others. And I think that will never change. You know, that's always going to be when you need a coach or any kind of resource, that's what you look for. 
But as far as what's changed over the years or what's different in different markets, I think coaching is definitely gaining in popularity. Every year I sell more and more coaching. Years ago, I think keynote speaking was the way to hit a mass audience. It was almost like, let's spray it to 200 people and hope it sticks. That was the predominant. Then we almost went down the funnel to training where we said, okay, let's take a smaller group, a subset. Maybe it's just 20 people, and let's put them in a class and see if it sticks. And now coaching for that one-on-one improvement really is becoming much more prevalent. And I think different cities – do and use it more efficiently, effectively, or often. You know, I would say the East Coast is probably the place, specifically the Northeast, where coaching is used most frequently. The West Coast probably second place. I think the Midwest seems to lag behind the two coasts in terms, yeah, yeah, in, in terms of hiring coaches and paying coaches. You know, I think that it's not necessarily equal across the country. Even when I have a client that that is the same company, just different cities throughout the country, I'm amazed at how the rates vary so much. Interesting. Yeah, yeah, it really is. Another trend that I see and strongly encourage is bundling the services in an all-inclusive format. I think, you know, and I can speak specifically about the Dallas market, there's a lot of people in Dallas who want to give me their hourly rates, and this is what I charge per hour. And I really think the trend is moving towards, let's stop using an hourly rate and Mm -hmm. let's bundle everything into an all-inclusive format. You know, maybe it's a six-month program with a 360, whether it's live, you know, stakeholder mm-hmm. interviews or a 360 online. But I think it's going to be really moving towards, you know, full access to the coach, lots and lots of sessions, here's the price, here's what you get. Almost like when you go to an all-inclusive resort in Jamaica, it says, okay, here's the price and here are all the wonderful things you get. Right. Um, in my opinion, that's something that's coming more and more. And other cities may be, even more so than the market here in Texas, may be more advanced on that route. You know, in Texas, I still struggle with so many coaches want to tell me their hourly rate. And I think it's moving towards a smarter way to sell in price coaching where you bundle all the services. Sherry was not our only guest to encourage packaging services as a whole product. Best-selling author and coach Dr. Terry Levine stressed the importance of creating a business model where you're not caught in the trap of trading time for money. And she shared the following tips for new coaches in this clip. The path that you've walked, what do you recommend to new coaches now in building that foundation? Don't sell time. I'm going to give you a few lessons. Do not sell time because in that first 30 days, I was trading time for dollars, which set me up for that whole year on a business model like that. And at the end of the year, I realized I just worked myself back into a job. I mean, I was making, I did about 500,000 the first year. So it was really great. Yeah, congratulations. The mm-hmm. amount of- Exhausted. It was another job. And I said, mm-hmm. no, we can't do this anymore. So the first lesson is don't have people pay you an hourly rate or for a block of hours. There's, pardon me, there's no trading. I have a little tickle. There's no trading time for dollars. The second thing, create an automated marketing system so that you're not the one constantly going out there to the events, creating content, writing the articles, doing sample sessions, because that takes forever, right? So today, I teach people to notice two things. One, what's the number one result you can bring through your coaching? What is that? Do you help someone get clarity? Do you help them with their business goals? Do you help them with their relationship? One result, not five things, one specific thing, 
and do research to make sure you have a target audience clamoring for that result. People who are saying, I want that. I'll pay for that. Then second thing is create a high ticket signature coaching program. This is how I create the result of you losing weight or having a better relationship and make sure you can deliver on the result and then automate your marketing. Do one, one, one brilliant, phenomenal webinar where you do nothing but create value, 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 demonstrate that you can give people the result by giving it to them and have that webinar play automatically. If you don't have a list to start with, do Facebook ads to your exact audience. When you get a list, you won't need that anymore. You'll Facebook Live, Facebook groups, go to networking events, whatever you choose, but stop content creation and stop trading time for dollars. I got a lot of lessons in there. So we've just spent a little bit of time together listening to what others who have been successful in the world of coaching, who continue to create success for their clients, what they do to successfully live in the world of business along with coaching. And what can you work on today that will help create the kind of clarity and focus that you need for your continued success? Even as a coach who has had a business for over a decade, I found incredible value from the words of wisdom that were shared from the different guests that we heard today. Some of us might be building something new and finding your focus for the first time. And others of you might perhaps be doing a check-in to be certain that you haven't become stagnant or lost your edge or revisited what those true goals are to make certain that you're on the right path. And I hope that today's show helped you rethink some of the things, whether you're starting new or reevaluating how you want to be in today's market. If you would like to hear any of the full episodes from the highlighted clips in today's show, go to the podcast episodes page at starcoachshow.com and just do a search on the guest. And while you're on the site, you might want to sign up for our book giveaway. The current featured book is Ignite Your Leadership, which was given to the show by Kathy Sparrow, our guest from episodes 12 and 23. Now, I would love to know what you thought of this format of a show and whether it was a helpful way to bring a specific focus on a topic from more than one sort of reference point. I'm going to continue to have interviews with many different guests where I have interviews lined up with some fabulous people. I can't wait to bring their expertise to you. But I thought that maybe I would do an occasional summary show like this as well as a way to bring back some of those gold nuggets that might get hidden as time goes on. So I would love to think hear what you think about this show. If you could visit starcoatshow.com and send me some feedback, that would be great. And as always, if you're enjoying the show, I would appreciate a review on iTunes. It helps others learn about and discover the show. So until next week, this is Meg Rentschler wishing you the very best for your coaching success. Have a wonderful week.